Since the dawn of time, mankind has searched for ways to shelter themselves from the elements. Over the centuries, these shelters have evolved from bamboo huts to concrete towers. The last few years, there's been a push to save the planet. Are you ready to embark on a more sustainable lifestyle? Look no further. You're about to enter the adventures of container home living. And now, contractor, radio and TV personality, and your host for Boxcar Universe, Steve Dubell. Uh, yes, we want to welcome everybody to Boxcar Universe. I'm Steve Dubell, and along with my co-host, Mel Alva, we are here going to be talking about uh, a lot of different things, but we have a special news item that we want to talk about first. Uh, and right after that, we're going to be joined by Sean LaPointe from Mr. Electric. And we're going to be talking about some of those EV charging stations for your auto. And also, we're going to be talking with Leanne Yukel. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, she is the Senior Water Planning Analyst from SRP. And uh, she's going to be one of our local uh, utility company representatives here in the Valley. And for those of you who don't know, besides what they do from an electrical standpoint, they also work with water conservation. And she's going to be talking about some of those things along with a big event that's coming up here uh, in two weeks on March 4th in the Valley. So we're going to be checking in with her. But uh, right now, Mel and I want to get into this article that came out today. Mel uh, showed it to me. It came hot off the internet. That's right. Yes. Mel, tell us a little bit about this because I think this is going to be really good. And you and I have been talking about this when we heard originally that the Biden administration had sued the state, uh, Arizona state, regarding the containers that uh, Governor Ducey put on the border to uh, extend the, you know, the, the, uh, the wall between on the, between our countries, between Mexico and the United States. But uh, Governor Hobbs has a great new idea. That's right. So those 2,000 shipping containers that were formerly used to, I guess, block our border, um, they are going to be turning them into low-income housing. And apparently there is a display in the downtown area. So look for that on our uh, webpage. We're going to go down there and do some recording and get that posted so everybody can see. But um, pretty interesting to see what uh, Stark is um uh, turning these into, and he's calling them a spark box. Uh, they're pretty expensive. Uh, honestly, I think they're pretty expensive to build out. But again, I don't know all the the components just yet. We just are reading this article. But um, after they are done being on display, they're actually going to donate them to a nonprofit. So maybe we need to call Family Promise and get them involved with this as well. Absolutely. I think that'd be a great idea. And and again, there's something that happens in the community and another person takes up the slack, so to speak. And Brian Stark, who you may know or not know, was one of the founding builders for Ida, which we've uh, showcased on our show here several months ago, which is the tallest container uh, residential building in the country, built out of 66, 40-foot containers mm -hmm. and uh it is a it is a beautiful design site and the interior like mel had said 
these homes, when they're done, these containers, you'd never know that you were in a container. Um, they are built really, really well. And then when uh, we make a little more contact here with the, the powers that be, we're going to bring all this good information to you on our website, Boxcar Universe, in Boxcar Living. And it's a lot of different things in in the way these homes are built, as well as the way that they're going to be used. And think about, we talked about this in many times on the show about the need for low income housing for the people, for the homeless. And, and that's one of the things that why we had uh, our good friend, Carl Faust on from IMS builders, along with uh, Mr. Taylor from family promise. And that is, it all works for good. If you, make the right connections, obviously. And I think this is a, a great way to go. Well, I love that he's calling them spark boxes. And it says that they are uh, powered by the sun during the day and then lithium batteries at night, which is great that we're kind of going into that little segue, um, you know, especially with Mr. Electric coming on the show today. But uh, anyway, I just thought this would be great to kind of bring up and um, Hopefully we can actually uh, maybe even get uh, the powers that be on the show. So that'd be great. I think that's going to be, that's going to be a good, uh, good mission for us, for a Mel and Steve on the street. That's right. I think that's going to be really good. So we're going to, we're going to do our best and due diligence on that and keep you posted along the way. So don't forget, make sure you check us out, <clears throat> excuse me, on Facebook and uh, Instagram. So we're going to be able to bring all that to you uh, in between our podcasts. So um, as the things happen daily, we will get that information to you. But right now we want to introduce and welcome into the show our good friend and sponsor, Sean LaPointe from Mr. Electric. And Sean, how are you doing today? Uh, Steve, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me out. Oh, it's great. I really that you're on the show. And, uh, you know, we're talking about all the good things that you do, but you know, one of the things that you shared with me, um, was a while ago about the charging stations for the, um, the Tesla that you have in the EV vehicles that are out there. And then everybody is all jazzed up about. Yeah, I'm pretty jazzed about it too. I have to say we've been uh, doing quite a few installs, both for uh, residences and for businesses too. Um, we just completed one at a uh, multifamily project and, uh, that went pretty well. And we added a separate meter and a, a dual dual port commercial charging station by ChargePoint. And so we've been certified uh, with that particular manufacturer as well. We're very proud of that. And uh, we got another project very similar to that coming up here as soon as permits are approved. Well, that's, that's really good. Now, when so, somebody goes, uh, you know, decides that they're going to buy an EV, okay, Um do you think that they, well, obviously you're a perfect example, but you knew that you were going to EV, aside from the fact that you own Mr. Electric, okay, did the thought of, of you know, the cost of what it takes to charge your vehicle come into your thoughts at all, or how did that play into your, 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 uh, no, excuse me, your uh, desire to buy a, an EV vehicle? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm a, I was originally a truck guy, you know, Silverado's for, you know, for a long time. And, uh, 
when when the uh, the Model Three was offered as kind of an affordable price point for an electric vehicle, me being the techie guy that I am, I I had I, there was no choice in the matter. I just had to jump on it, and it took a it took almost a year and a half to get delivery on that car. And I have to say, I absolutely love that vehicle. Coming from a giant, you know, you know, pickup truck, you know, thing, here I am driving around this Tesla Model Three, and everybody's like, "Well, really? Does that really you know, you really like that?" And the answer is, yeah, I absolutely love this car. Well, yeah, obviously, I mean, it's in, in it's, it's probably something that you would, that wouldn't, you know, go on in, um, a long, long journey with over the road, but it surely works well within the city. When you think about it, um, how many miles can you get out of one charge? So on the particular model that I have, um, it, it, it degrades over time a little bit, but right now I can get about 250 miles on a charge. But one thing you got to take into account for is that um, that's like if the wind is perfect, if you're not using your air conditioning, your heating, um, or, or even like doing the uh, you know self-driving modes or autopilot modes, everything that happens in that vehicle takes a little bit of power. So, you know, a realistic mileage, you know, it might say 240, but, you know, it could be, that could be actually 200, maybe even less. And if you put your, got a heavy foot in it and you're going 80 miles an hour, that has a tendency to drop the, drop the range as well. Yeah. I, I, so it's, it's not bad. You know, we, we, um, and you mentioned about going cross country and stuff and, you know, we were, we were thinking about going to Albuquerque a while back and, um, and we kind of had to take a look at where the charging stations were located, you know, public ones. And, uh, we decided that we couldn't make it happen. There wasn't enough, uh, you know, wasn't enough uh, charging stations between here and Albuquerque to 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 safely get there. Yeah, see, that's that that yeah. is that's only the probably about the only drawback you can think of. Uh, but you know, in and in and around, uh, you know, in, if you do it from the city and don't and don't use it, I mean, for, on a daily basis, um, you should be pretty pretty much okay. And I'm sure. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. I've, I think I've only gotten. Uh, you know, figuratively, you know, caught with my pants down only a couple of times where I had to, you know, <laughs> caught with you your know, man, I got to find a place to charge like right now, you know. Sean, I, mean, I have a question for you. Do they sure. offer a portable charger for that? Because I know that uh, we were looking at uh, possibly getting a Tesla as well. And that was my biggest concern is being able to travel, um, you know, not so much across country, but uh, maybe to California and uh, looked like there were plenty of charging stations, um, you know, from Phoenix to to Los Angeles. But there is, yeah, they're, they're, that's not an issue. So that's a very common route, and uh, they've definitely made sure that there's plenty of places to stop. As far as a portable charger, I'm really not really aware of anything at the consumer level. Um, you know, what I have seen, like with AAA and stuff, if you're dead on the side of the road, they actually bring a, a gas-powered generator. And they plug into that. I have to say that um, that the amount of power it takes to run one of these is pretty extravagant. Um, as an example, um, I have a um, I have a 20 amp 240 volt circuit dedicated to my house, and it takes a good 12 hours to charge that vehicle oh, wow. to get that 240 miles. Wow! Well, wow! So in yeah. in with your daily use um, of it, I mean, how long would you say you go between charges? Um, I'm probably charging, it depends on the, depends on how much, you know, driving around I'm doing, but probably anywhere between, um, every other day is, is pretty, pretty general or maybe once every three days. Um, if I'm going around, you know, a lot, I could be, could be, you know, every night I have to have a charging station here at the office too. So the charging station here at the office is a 50 amp charger or actually 60. 
and um, and I can get the car vehicle charged in about four hours on that particular charger. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the installation of possibly your charging uh, unit at your home and what you need to consider and uh, some of the particulars. So this way you can choose the right charger for the right vehicle. And, you know, we talk about Tesla. I think Tesla is kind of like, um, you know, Mel, when we talk about certain things like, like uh, Kleenex, did the name of it tells you exactly what it is versus, you know, what it actually is. It's not, tissue. it's a tissue, Yeah. you know, but we say Kleenex, everybody knows what it's talking about. So when you say Tesla, Tesla, everybody knows what Tesla is now. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Elon Musk. That's right. That's right. So, okay, you're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have more with Sean, and you are tuned in to Boxcar Universe. Updating your flooring, shower, or backsplash can be stressful. But when you have the right company involved, that process becomes easier. Reyes Tile is a family-owned and operated business that has served the Valley for over 15 years. They specialize in residential, commercial, and multifamily projects. Their main focus is on all types of flooring, backsplash, and showers. Eduardo Coronado, owner of Reyes Tile, can be reached at 602-384-6825. On Instagram at Reyes.Tile, LLC. Reyes Tile. Excellence in flooring. All right. You are listening to Boxcar Universe right here in the beautiful Boxcar Universe studios. And before we... uh, continue with our discussion with Sean from Mr. Electric. You know, I want to uh, send prayers and wishes out to all the people affected for the uh, container derailment in Ohio. People that got displaced from their homes because of this toxic chemicals that are in the containers that have, you know, people are, are displaced from their homes. They don't know whether, when, even though they're told that they can go back um, I haven't seen at this point, I haven't seen anything to definitively say that the whole area is safe. I mean, they say people can go back, Mel, but you know, they say, make sure you bring, bring bottled, drink bottled water. So it's like, is it really safe or isn't it really safe? That's you know? scary. They're telling yeah. you to drink the water, but what about bathing? Yeah. What about bathing? I mean, you don't, you just don't know. And I, I think along with the uh, some of the lack of communication, I think that's what generates a lot of fear right. in what people are thinking. Like, well, what am I going to do? I mean, you, you just you just don't know. And then you also hear that, well, you know, the lack of maintenance on these, on these you know, uh, container cars are, um, you know, are like non-existent. They're not the maintenance isn't done regularly on them. So it's like thinking about, 
it's almost like a no brain. You've got a mechanical object. Okay. I mean, Sean, if, if you didn't do regular maintenance on your fleet of vehicles, what would, what, what would you think if something went wrong? Um, you know, even with maintenance, right? <laughs> yeah, I know something still goes wrong. Yeah. It, but, but without, yeah, but yeah. without maintenance, I mean, you'd think, oh my God, how could they, and they run these things cross country at the speeds that you see these long, like, like on our boxcar universe website that up on top when we say your future container home is coming this way. I mean, you take a look at how long that train is. And I didn't even film that thing to the entire end of the train. I mean, there are a lot of vehicles on you think about the the miles that those things go across country multiple times and lack of maintenance. It, it's amazing that bad things didn't happen even before this. So I want to just want to send our mention that and send our prayers out to everybody who's been displaced over there. And uh, we hope that you're all safe and in house because uh, it is a it is a bad thing. And we hope uh, the government you know, steps in and does what they need to do and, and gets this thing cleaned up and are those people back to their homes. Cause it is, it is something serious. And I believe they said that the, um, this morning that the EPA administrative person is on its way. is going to be there either, uh, you know, it has either been there yesterday or tomorrow. So it's, it's, if they're finally going to get out there. So I'm hopefully they're, get their act together. Cause I think they should have been out there before now because it's been several days, but, um, yeah, I'm looking here. It doesn't say, uh, what the cause was. Yeah. So hmm. bottom line is it's an ugly situation when you see that, see that way those trains, you know, just have derailed and the smoke and the flume and then everything else in those toxic chemicals are just going up in flames. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, your electric vehicle and, you know, thinking about it. You know, we, as I said, we talked a lot about Teslas, but, you know, you've got Ford. They're investing in building, you know, electric vehicles. You see, um, you know, uh, I believe it's Hyundai has one. Um, General Motors you know, is dealing with it, doing some as well. So it's not just Tesla, but on the other hand, Sean, now with the way those are all built, you know, depending on if it's Tesla or not, doesn't make any difference. The, the hookup to a charging station, is it, is it all the same? Um, they are fairly all the same. However, Tesla likes to be a little, uh, um, proprietary. And so the, sh you know, while, while I can drive up to any, any Tesla, um, charging station and plug in with no problem. Um, the guys that don't have a Tesla aren't able to use that. The, the, the plug is different, right? And so if I go to a non-Tesla charging station, I have an adapter that I can stick on the end of the, the, the charging cable to allow me to use, you know, the, you know, the non-Tesla chargers. It's kind of, kind of funny. Um, and they have a couple of variants too. When we're talking about um, the, the highest level of charging, you know, these DC fast chargers are called level three chargers, and, and uh, they can charge a vehicle like mine in about 20 minutes. It's, it's an insane amount of power. They usually have their own transformer from the power company to run these things, and they have a, a little proprietary um, um, end that allows the car to receive that. And again, I have to I have to get an adapter if I want to use a non-Tesla fast charger. 
So it's interesting how it works. You think that they would, you know, it used to be when it first came out that it was all common, but Tesla kind of said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make ours a little proprietary. So hopefully they change that running down the road, but I think it's a, uh, you know, I think in the grand you know scheme of everybody having an electric vehicle, sure it'd be nice to have some unification there. Yeah. That's, it would make sense, you know, to be yeah. able to have, yeah. if, if you're changing that way in the way that you, you know, build vehicles, I mean, they should all have, I mean, would you think for instance, if it was a Ford Chevy or, or a Chrysler product that they would have uh, different, access to put you know go get your fuel to go buy gas where the where the port to put the spout in would be different i mean it just seems like you know tesla's got a little <laughs> testy little play on words there um when it said like want to get well let's get proprietary yeah i'm sure that'll happen going down the road because as, as more electric vehicles you know they could become more you know proliferate and and um, and every, you know it's definitely the wave of the future i mean the the internal combustion engine for passenger vehicles i think is you know has a a, a lifespan i think we're seeing coming towards the end of it yeah well you know on the other hand too it's it, from from uh, the other thing too is you think about you know electric vehicles and i'm sure they're always constantly trying to improve on battery life uh, when you think about, see these huge, you know, tractors for 18 wheelers that they say, oh yeah, we have, they run on electric. Now and I'm thinking about the stuff that I used to haul years and years ago. I'm like thinking, really? <laughs> how is How is an electric, how is an electric, you know, uh, tractor good at pull 40, 50,000 pounds of, of freight? And how long can it go for? I mean, my God, I can imagine what those, what those, even if you can, you know, go some kind of distance that those charging stations got to be, if they're going to put those cross country, can you imagine doing, doing that? I mean, I just, I just don't think the technology is there yet for, from a, from a commercial application. Well, uh, a lot of commercial like delivery services and, and, you know, Companies like that, you know, they're definitely investing in electric vehicle um, inventory for sure. And I think it's a great place to, to start it. What, what better way than a, than a vehicle that's continuously on the road, you know, to test that technology? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can only go up from here. I yeah, well, yeah. Well, it, it's like everything else. You know, we didn't we didn't go to Mars in in one day, as yeah. they say. It's going to take a lot of time, trial and error, and we're going to be able to do that. So. Um, in your situation, okay, talking about the the charging station, um, do you, when somebody calls you to actually do that, um, what kind of consultation do you do with them? That's a great question. And so the biggest concern that we have is, um, you know, what, you know, what, what, how much do they have to charge? What kind of vehicle do they get? You know, all, all, all the newer vehicles have a very, very long range. And that's the, that's the, the big sales point now. Like, you know, it used to be like if I had a Nissan Leaf, it was maybe like 80 miles of range and you can actually, you know, run a level one charger, which plugs into a normal 120 volt outlet. And uh, now they get these large batteries, you know, like mine and the, and the, and the Fords coming out and stuff like that. The, uh, you know, the amount of power required to charge this thing brings us into what we call a level two range, which is 240 volts, typically 32 amps and above. So um, 
some people aren't aware that they think this is, they can just plug these things in or they can, you know, we even have requests for DC fast chargers at homes and this is not physically possible. The infrastructure is not there. Um, but the common one is the level two charger. And when we consult for those, one of the first things we do is what's called a load calculation. And we determine, you know, the same, the same um, formulas that, you know, engineers use to determine the size of the, of the um, electrical box on the house. Is the same. This is the same system that we use to determine whether we can add this additional, um, this additional power requirement to it. And a lot of times we find that the customer's panel just isn't big enough, especially on the larger homes. You got two or three air conditioners and and uh, you know no natural gas. Um, sometimes it's a challenge to be able to, you know, to get these things in. And so they're definitely looking at a panel upgrade from 200 amps to to 400 amps. The unfortunate side effect of that is, you know, there's there's a cost to that. Sure. Know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's got to got to run probably, probably three, four, maybe even five thousand dollars for a type panel upgrade like that, right? Yeah, easily from from a two hundred to four hundred. It's that's that'd be the minimum cost. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are things. Again, those are things that people need to take into consideration. You know, um, you know, and if they are going to be doing more things on their home, those are things like if you're going to add a pool, maybe or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, two to four hundred. I mean, I know. When um, when I built my home, when I was married, we put a 400 amp service on the house from from day one because we had a an 1800 square foot detached garage that had you know all kinds of units and stuff like that, and and a 3000 square foot house and we were just like well we didn't know what else we we might add in the future and as long as we were building yeah. it from scratch, yeah. that's the best time to do it. Yeah, and the uh, the other thing too is sometimes we go into homes where they have two electric vehicles. You got his and hers, you know. And, yes. and it's like, well, I need a charger for both of these. And, I have wow, a customer maybe like that. One. And so, you know, we we we've, we've actually devised um, ways using a uh, using smart uh, technology to be able to um, relay between the two, and also manufacturers like Tesla. Uh, and uh, a couple other ones, Juicebox, I think, um, now allow power sharing. So you can actually tie two uh, electric vehicle charging stations together on the same circuit, and then they'll manage between the two um, the appropriate amount of power so you don't overload the circuit. That's pretty cool. I have a, I have a, I have a customer I did a remodel for years ago that actually it, it did exactly what you said. They had matching Teslas, Mel. One was, one was a four-door, one was a two-door. Huh. One was white, one was black. Love it. It was great. <laughs> and and I believe the wife had the two-door. And when it had to go in for service or something, or I had a recall on something, she hated driving the four-door. And it was like amazing. I'm like, okay, I how can, much different can, can it be? How it's, different can that be? It's a big difference. I mean, listen, we, you know, have BMWs and I love my cars, but I'll tell you, I was used to driving my three series and even had the hardtop convertible there. And I just love how small it was and zipping in and out of where I need to go. And then you jump up to a bigger five series and it just kind of feels like a boat. (laughs) I know it's not a seven or whatever. I mean, I get that and it's not the SUV, but it just, it feels bigger. And so I just, I don't know. I like the smaller cars, but you know, I was a, I grew up Riding a or driving a little Volkswagen a V-Dub, you know, as a teenager, and I just loved my little tiny bug. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the joys of growing old, but you have some great things that you can enjoy and appreciate as you get older. And I think that's that that's I think says a lot about 
growing old. I really do. There's no, as they say, there's no substitute for experience. But uh, Sean, tell our listeners uh, how they could contact you. And if they are seriously considering getting an EV and uh, obviously the other things that we've mentioned, and I'm sure there's some other stuff that we haven't touched on, but they can contact you and you can actually give them that uh, great consultation. They can absolutely. Um, uh, for anyone that, that still has, um, still likes to use uh, telephones, um, we can reach us at 480-503-2426. You can find us on the web just by searching Mr. Electric. Um, we'll come up, and that website is www.mrelectric.com. Right, and also there is a section in there. If you if you scroll down, and if you are, you know, uh, uh, data intelligent, as they say. Uh, going forward, and uh, you could find there is a section on there that has information on Mr. Electric's website about EV charging stations and things like that. So you can kind of get up to speed and have a discussion with Sean, and he can come out and uh, take a look at your problem, you know, your your issue with your with your new car, and um, give you a quote. Steve, thank you. All right, Sean. Thanks, thanks Sean. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you. Have a great day. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Leanne Uckel from uh, the uh, SRP, our uh, utility company here in the Valley of the Sun. She's a senior water planning analyst. We're going to be talking about some of the conservation uh, water that SRP is involved in, as well as their event coming up on March 4th. So I want everybody to hang tight. You're listening to Boxcar Universe. Chances are, when it's time to call a service professional, you need someone right away. Who can you call for those electrical problems fast? The answer is Mr. Electric, a licensed, bonded, and insured company serving the Valley of the Sun since 2000. Some of their residential and commercial services include expert troubleshooting, replacing an outlet, hanging a ceiling fan, or upgrading your electric service, and much more. Rest assured, all work is guaranteed. Call today for your appointment, 480 480- You can find them on the web at phoenixmetro.mrelectric.com. Remember, at Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. All right, we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe right here, 2023 variety version, as they say. And uh, Mel and I are here, and we're talking uh, recently in the last uh, segment, we're talking with Sean LaPointe from Mr. Electric about uh, EV chargers and uh, things you need to think about when you do that. But we want to talk to Leanne Yakwell. She is the senior water planning analyst from SRP, and we want to welcome. Leanne into the show. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I appreciate, appreciate you being here. You know, um, some of the things that I think people uh, here in the Valley of the Sun probably don't think much about when it, when it, when you mention SRP is water. And that's one of the things because uh, SRP provides, you know, a good part of our Valley with our electrical power. Right. Yeah. So more than a, 
For more than 100 years, SRP has provided a reliable water supply to metropolitan Phoenix. Um, so our work began with one of Arizona's first dams and grew into a system of lakes, rivers, dams, and canals that delivers water to millions of residents in the valley. So every time you every time you cross one of those canals, Mel, just think of Leanne. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now SRP, you know, does a great job of of you know providing power for the valley, and Lord knows you have must have a, a great challenge, you know, when it comes to you know to water as well as electric, because you know think about all the different people that are moving into the Valley of the Sun, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's just, just amazing that you have to try and keep up with that. Yeah, so water management is a huge uh, part of what we do. So um, we do have seven reservoirs and the water collected. So basically how the water journey starts from the watershed to your showerhead is that high in the mountains, the forests of northern and eastern Arizona has the SRP watershed that's made up of 8.3 million acres of protected forest land. So in the winter, Snow collects in those forests, and in the spring, the snow melts, and here's the water journey. Um, it begins, and melted snow flows down the mountains into our salt and verde rivers, and then it goes through our seven lakes. So those are our reservoirs. So in our reservoirs, we also have dams, right? So the dams allow us to control the flow of the water so that we can manage floods and also store the water so that we're prepared during periods of drought. And our dams are also used to generate hydroelectric power. Right. And obviously with the, I, I mean, if it's just me, I think that uh, the first part of this year, and you're only into February, but it seems like we've gotten more than our amount of usual rain for this type of the year. So uh, hopefully those uh, levels are uh, higher than usual. Yes, definitely. So we're really excited about that. Our hydrologists are, you know, really um, gearing up for this and um, trying to predict, you know, what is going to come off of our watershed. And hopefully we continue with the rains and, and the nice snow that we've had in the north. So it will be very good for us. That's good. I did. I, you know, I've been, I haven't heard that word before. Hydrologist. That's, I like that term. Right. <laughs> I think that's really good. I love it. We tip our hats to all the hydrologists in SRP. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, you know, it's things that we don't think about. And a lot of these things that, you know, because you go through your daily life, you take for granted. And uh, obviously, you know, living in the desert, you've been here. I mean, I've been living in the desert since 1989 and growing up back east coming back out here, it's like, um, you, you kind of expect everything to be okay and water to be there, but, you know, getting water into a desert area and doing what you guys do is just, uh, not what they do back East all the time. Cause it's a whole different world back there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is different. And, you know, as you know, we do live in a desert, so it's important that, you know, we conserve. We have been in a drought since the mid nineties. So it's not like this is uncharted territory for us. <laughs> um, we've been planning and managing water for decades. So I think that a lot of the things that we have in place um, help with guiding us through that. I mean, we have one of the um, nation's strictest rules about, you know, um, building in our areas and water management. So I think that has helped us in, in these times. 
I think that's really interesting. I want to chime in, Leanne. When I, I'm originally from Boston, and when I first moved to Arizona, uh, there was a seminar that they were holding at the school. And I don't know if it was um, one of the, the, you know, bigger companies out here that were uh, hosting it, but it was about water conservation. And uh, as a small child, you know, they're they're teaching you when you're brushing your teeth, you turn the water off and I'll be fair, uh, back, uh, back east, uh, that is not taught in any of the, yeah. <laughs> the schools, you know, it's uh, just brush your teeth, right? But uh, we just found that it was really interesting. It was also like surviving in the desert and how you could, you know, get water from a cactus, things like that. So I just wanted to chime in. I, I feel that's really interesting. And I wonder if schools are actually still doing that today. And if they're not, maybe they should be. Yeah, so um, SRP actually partners with a few of the municipalities in the area, um, and we are developing um, a new school program, and um, it's in the works right now. I believe we started in fall, so it's wrapping up um, at the end of the school year here, but we teach pretty much first through fourth graders um, water conservation and different tips that they can share with their parents and do at home. Um, and then also, you know, just in case they see a leak to notify their parent or, you know, adult and make sure that that gets fixed. So we have these little, um, you know, kids out there soaking everything up like sponges and spreading the information to their parents and anybody who will probably listen <laughs> to them um, about water conservation. And I think it's really key that, you know, we are educating their, our youth because they will be our future. And so if they're smarter about their water use, then it will definitely help our resources later on. That's, that's, that's really important. Tell us about your event coming up on March 4th. Yeah, so this is going to be our first water conservation expo in person um, since 2020, <laughs> since pre-COVID. So we're really excited about that. This is the going to be on our um, 15th year. And so we're excited. Um, this year's event is at um, Saturday, March 4th at our para club, which is one East continental, um, in Tempe. And basically what, you know, the audience will, the participants will learn is about SRP's role on water. So as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people know that we're, a you know, power provider, but not a lot know that we're a water provider. So we are going to explain our role in water stewardship from our staff, our hydrologists. Um, we are going to have five tons of snow there so we can show customers how we measure snowpack to predict the runoff that's going to be in our reservoirs. So it really helps manage, you know, what our water will look like um, as the upcoming year. And then also get water saving tips, learn about free programs from local organizations, including our, you know, your local municipality will be there. And then connecting with community water partners to discover new water saving technologies. And the biggest thing that we do have is that we have the customers can purchase a smart irrigation controller at a discounted price. So these controllers retail upwards of $500 and our customers will be able to purchase them for $60 plus tax with our Ewing discounted price. Oh, that's, <laughs> so, pre that's pretty good. A very deep discount and um, in the Valley up to 70% of our water use is outdoors. So anything that we can do to manage our water outside would be great. And so this is a very smart controller that you can put in the parameters as far as what you are going to be watering. Um, you know, if it's grass or if it's low water use plants, 
um, if it gets shade, if it gets sun, um, things of that nature, soil, if it's on a slope, um, it will do everything to adjust and tailor the watering schedule so that you can save as much water and be as efficient as possible. Well, that, that is really fabulous. And we want to urge all our listeners who are in the Valley of the Sun to make sure that uh, you stop by and say hi and, and check out what um, SRP is actually offering and what they do. And you know, maybe you haven't thought about controlling your water usage when it comes to your irrigation. But, uh, you know, Mel, I think it's something that people need to be more cognizant of. Like you said, you know, I, we, I grew up the same way back, back east. Like, shut, shut the water off. And when you're like in between your brushing, are you crazy? Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. That's, but that's what happens. And, you know, um, you grow up and you develop your habits according to what you're, you're used to, what your mom and dad have done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, you know, uh, kudos on training all the kids early, Leanne. Yeah, definitely. And if I could put a plug for the URL here, it's srp.net forward slash expo. So go ahead and register and join us for the March 4th event. Thank you so much, Leanne. Leanne, we appreciate all your time and talking to us about this and we'll help spread the word for you. Sounds great. Thank you so much. All right. You enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. you And that was Leanne Yockwell from SRP and, uh, we're going to wrap the show up here. We want to thank Sean LaPointe and Leanne for being on the show today. And also stay tuned. Keep, um, keep an eye on our social media page on Facebook. We'll keep you up to speed on all that other good stuff coming uh, your way that uh, we're going to be talking about those spark boxes and uh, all the other information. Uh, possibly if you're in need of one, we'll, we'll have the scoop for you. So uh, stay tuned. That's uh, more to come. And we always like to bring you the cutting edge information here. And I want everybody to remember, if you ever, ever had any need for container homes, let Mel and I design and build your dream container home or tiny home for that matter. And uh, if you have a tiny home right now or a container home and you have a story you'd like to share with us, make sure you email us at the boxcarliving at gmail.com and steve at boxcaruniverse.com. And uh, we can be heard on any podcast player throughout the world. Uh, if you are listening to us on Boxcar Universe on our website, uh, we always have that updated every week with our new show. And uh, we'll make sure that we'll give you all kinds of updates regarding the show, what we're doing. and. Uh, our episodes with Mel and Steve on the street because you know, we have our mission cut out for us now. We do. We're going to go to downtown next week. Yeah, we're going downtown, and I don't mean we're going out for drinks. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> maybe after we go check out the building. That's right. Okay. But don't forget, we are here for you for all your wants and needs when it comes to container home and sustainable lifestyle living. And also, let us containerize your lifestyle. We'll see you next week. 